there. And so we look forward to this morning and, and gathering, and we pray all this here in your name. Amen.
church and so we've had stuff go on and we had um, you know uh, several weeks ago we had the Bueller singers come here and uh, it turns out uh, we have an opportunity today very similarly to have the group from high Inman High School share with us so I met a new friend Stacy I'm gonna ask her to come on up here and she's like really are you really yeah <laughs> and uh, if it's okay with you you guys can get in place too does that sound good so um, this is Notables. Isn't that a clever name, you guys? Is there an E in the name? We were, yeah, so I, I, um, we were debating about that uh, as we put the bulletin together. I don't know if you'll need this or not, but if I ask you something that I, I want you, them to hear, then you can talk into that. Well, that sounds so, fabulous. Thank you. Say, hi, Stacy. And uh, um, I've heard such good things about you. <laughs> How long have you been at Inman High? I don't remember. Is this my <laughs> fifth year? Four years? Four years? <laughs> I started as a long-term sub, so okay. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to count that year yeah, or not. You can, you know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh, this, is, uh, this is your audition group. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, uh, um, and so they go to contests and that sort of thing, and then they, you know, 
I, I wanted to tell uh, Mr. Bontrager as well, I should have said, look, you guys can dress down, but you know, this is what they wear, so they're more dressed than anybody here, right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but we're so glad to have you. I guess you. Uh, I was going to ask some things, but now they're going to give me that. Oh, oh that's oh, all right. Yes. You're welcome. I, uh, we would like to thank you for inviting us. Um, these are our high school notables. We have, uh, we're wrapping up our year, but yeah. we're so honored that you could um, fit us in on a special day like Mother's Day. Um, one of our singers, uh, Bryn Schrader, is part of this church, so they invited us to come and have a chance to share our music with you. Uh, the students took these two songs to contest, regionals, and state, and received a one at both. So we're really pleased with their hard work. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so our first piece is Set Me as a Seal Upon Your Heart, which is from the Song of Solomon, and it was arranged by David Childs. And the last song is Let There Be Peace on Earth, arranged by Ed Lejeski. We hope you enjoy them. Thank you. Thank you. Oh. 
church thank you for bringing your friends with you you're gonna get a chance to share what you're doing next year next week so I'm um, but thank you for bringing your friends with us hey gang this is don't leave this is Lexi Lexi goes to Zor and she got a Tabor 20 for next year so she's headed off to Tabor next year congratulations thank you both for bringing your friends with us that was lovely thanks so much uh, that's a lot of fun thank you Stacy thank you thank you Oh, well, good morning, church. Good morning. It's fun to be together to worship, yes? Um, if you're a guest with us today, I'm going to let you in on a secret. We're in the middle of a long series. And the, what, 
the church that regularly attends here knows is when you see this screen, you know that we're doing Acts today. Hey, we're doing Acts today because we've been having such a great time uh, spending some time in a very important book in God's Word and what it means to especially live on mission. So we're going to grind forward today and uh, let me make sure I've got all my ducks in a row here. It's always questionable. Um, we're in chapter 4. And what we've seen up to this point in Acts that I'll just remind, since we have so many guests today, it's been a lot of fun stuff. Uh, a lot of ruckuses. The biggest ruckus, of course, was when uh, God decided to send his spirit and change the whole system because from God's spirit being represented by a flame at the tabernacle or in the temple, God said, no, 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 look, I'm going to start dwelling in all of my people. It was huge, and that's uh, the huge thing that uh, set us off. And we're talking about the movement of Jesus, the, the Jesus movement, expanding the kingdom of God, what that looked like even after Jesus ascended and he's gone. Uh, he said, hey, my people, you've got a job to do, and we're seeing how they took that very seriously. So like I say, we've seen ruckuses, we've seen miracles, we've seen some great preaching by Peter. And uh, what we then see is that the Jesus movement is picking up steam. And so last time, uh, last week when we met, we saw what happened when, uh, well, two ago, or a time ago, uh, there was all of a sudden some opposition. The authorities are starting to take notice, the authorities that were Jewish authorities. And Peter and John got arrested and they got let go and the church prayed and we talked about prayer next week. So as the movement moves forward, there's a short little passage now in chapter 4 that's going to show us just a little snapshot of that community. So all this story is going on. Remember, we've said that Luke was very mindful and very careful to give an accurate, uh, a well-researched, uh, well thought-out plan. He was living it with them too, right? And he was going to give a great report about the Jesus movement as it, as it carried on. And um, so here we have then what feels like a little bit of a commercial. By the way, as I'm telling this story, you might wonder, what did the community look like? And that's what we find at the end of chapter 4. It's a snapshot. I was thinking about this word snapshot. Do young people know what the word snapshot means? Snapshot, not snapchat. No. So it's a, it, uh, it's a little picture. It's a glimpse into what community life was all about. And it's really, for a short passage, a really important passage. So uh, if you have a Bible, if you have an app, I'd love for you to follow along. But I'll put it up here on the screen as well as we get started. This is the end of Acts chapter 4, and I'd like to read the Word of God this morning. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them, in them all, that there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold the field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. And that's the end of chapter 4. Uh, 
let's just, as you look at the passage, and let, let's just make sure we understand the snapshot a little bit. So what was happening, remember, uh, ruckus, uh, occasion to preach, people coming to trust in Jesus. That's happening. It went from 3,000 to 5,000 plus that was 5,000 men plus wives and kids and whatever. And so, uh, again, it feels like Luke wanted to say, man, check out this community. Here's what was going on as the Jesus movement was catching fire. Even in the midst of their first round of persecution. It was light. It was going to get a lot worse. But uh, uh, this is what the community looked like. And so... Um, uh, we see one of the main things you can tell from this is how much they shared together. Uh, I want to uh, really just try to help us all catch a vision for what was going on with this. Uh, they were one heart and mind. No one claimed that anything was their own. So here's the picture. Hey, we're meeting together. We're worshiping. We're listening to the apostles, perhaps, or whatever disciples teach. And we're learning about Jesus more and more. And we're praying together. We learned that last week, how important prayer was. And then maybe somebody said, hey... Everybody doing okay? This COVID thing, did you lose your job? You know, what, okay, they, they might not have had COVID back then, but you know, whatever's going And then they said, hey, we can do something about that. Turns out I've got more than I need. What can we do? Can we help you? Can we make sure you've got food on your table? And the great picture of this is that they were sharing meals and stuff like that anyway, right? So they'd get together to worship and pray and learn about Jesus, but then they say, hey, let's break bread together, because all of the symbolism, we've talked a little bit about that. And so then they were able to share together whenever there was a need. And so as we look today at this community of believers, what I want to start with from this great short little passage is to say, are we catching the incredible characteristics of this community? What do we notice right away? And the first one that if we take a look at this community of believers that I would say uh, that all of us would see in some way or another, you'll see these characteristics, but I just want to make sure we underline and point them out. The first one is unity. That whatever else was, you know, it could have been a thing that whatever else is happening, man, guys are getting arrested and guys are getting beat up and man, I don't know, I think we should, no, I think we should, that, none of that was happening. They were unified. This is a great little phrase, a statement, that the believers were of one heart and mind. Uh, for you and I, we might wanna pass over that quickly, but here's what I found out about that particular uh, there's this word that I didn't know much about, but it's a co-location. When you use words together, sort of juxtapose them, and they're used together a lot. Here's what my, one of my favorite uh, commentators, Schnabel, haven't talked about Schnabel in a couple of weeks, remember Schnabel? He says this, the co-location, heart and mind, heart and mind, it occurs repeatedly in the Old Testament and describes complete and total devotion to God in the context of the commandment to love Yahweh and worship him. So what we need to understand is the weight of Luke using that collocation uh, to say they were of one heart and mind. Uh, a much longer guy smarter than me could, could wax eloquently about heart and mind and soul and, you know, and there's all this Greek thinking that goes into those phrases, but what we know is that they were completely then devoted to one another. They were absolutely unified, and that's the biggest thing I want us to catch when we think about characteristics of this community, but some things might fall in line underneath that. Let's remember that then there's this 
understanding that they lived in harmony in their unity. These, these were not all Jews, uh, mostly, right? But they're starting to attract others, uh, mostly Jews, clearly, at this point. Sorry, that's later in Acts. Got, got excited. But uh, they're not all uh, rich, poor. We're seeing that with the way they shared things. Uh, in the previous section, these guys that arrested, these Jewish educated guys saw Peter and John speaking so eloquently and they said, oh, these guys are just ordinary uneducated men. How about that? And so we have different levels of uh, education, perhaps, different levels, social economics, even men and women all in one group. And they were living in harmony, even though they were varied and diverse, they were unified and in harmony. And what we see from the community is the support they had for one another. Just, you know, real quick, uh, what we see from verse 34, no needy persons among them. Can you imagine that, church? That there was no needy persons among them. They had that kind of support. And very similarly then, they had encouragement. We see that at the end when we talk about Barnabas, get to that later. But uh, so we're seeing these incredible characteristics that bound them together in Jesus and they reflected harmony, support, encouragement. Uh, verse 32 says they shared everything they had. They shared everything they had. But perhaps the bookend, if unity is the big one, the bookend to any characteristics we could fill in the middle. And if you have a group today that talks about the, the, the sermon, uh, I'd love for you to wax, uh, wax, to talk more about what that community might have looked like and what the characteristics might have been from what you can gather from this passage. But if we put a bookend, whatever goes in between, we have to see the incredible generosity of that community the incredible generosity of that community. For someone to say, my stuff, catch this, my stuff's not really mine to run, it's all from God anyway, so what can I do with it to share with my brothers and sisters? That's what's going on with that generosity. Um, none of them considered their possessions their own. They would sell land, they'd sell things and spread it out to people that had need. Uh, if you were with us last week and you wandered into the fellowship hall, and a lot of you did, and to hear Kyle and Danae, I was thinking about an illustration for generosity, and there's not a better one than Kyle. So Kyle and Danae were talking about their ministry in Africa. And at some point, uh, you know, very different culture, uh, the idea that they were sharing, you know, very literally, they would make food, and then like anybody that came, they would try to feed. Do you remember their allusions to that? And then Danae said, we don't know if sometimes we should try in a Western more, uh, pre uh, more affluent culture, it would be something like financial planning or financial advice or whatever. And so uh, it would look very different, obviously. And I asked them, you know, what that might look like. And he said, well, yeah, that's hard because here they're finding as believers such joy in sharing things. They're making food for everybody. Do you remember when they talked about this? Give me a couple of nods. And, and then, you know, he's like, yeah, how do we tell them don't make as much and save some for yourself, for later, for the future, you know. And it was really, I, I, it was subtle, and I don't know if everybody caught it, but it was a marvelous reminder and illustration of what generosity in God's people needs to look like, right? He said, yeah, why, you know, don't make as much food so you can't feed all these people that might need it and maybe set some aside for yourself. And he said, that, how, how, do we, how do we even preach that? That's generosity. Um, you know, I might not always know what it looks like, and I'm going to confess, even when we're done this morning, I'm not going to have, you're going to go, well, I don't, what does it look like to be generous? Well, that's often between you and God. 
But it's also often the idea of being open to being generous and what that looks like. I guess I feel like um, a pithy little reminder is from uh, Hispanic people from uh, mi casa es su casa. Anybody know what that means? My house is your house. And what that really means as I understand it is, look, you're my guest. This, this house isn't mine. It's yours as much as mine. And it, the idea of being generous in the middle of that. That's what's happening in this community. They were totally unified, and it was often epitomized by their generosity, and all those things in the middle started to happen. So, church, grab that. Don't lose sight of those incredible characteristics that that first community was about. Now, I, I have to be fair today. When we think about it, and... Uh, you know, some of you are wondering, I'm just alluding to things because I'm not brave enough to really go after things that are controversial. <laughs> but you kind of hear what I'm talking about and you wonder, what is this sort of a, are we talking about communism here, Boat, or socialism or something? And I say, wait, relax, relax. And I'd say, first of all, those terms are largely inadequate. Any labels like that are, are difficult. So, but I will tell you, I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about being a unified, generous community. And it's, it's a very, very complex sort of issue by 2022. Because we can legitimately talk about, you know, we know people that might work the system. I've been in circles with ministry workers that, you know, we don't know what to do when you have people come in and... Uh, did they come to your church? Yeah, then they went to my church and your church, you know. So there is stuff like that. There's, there's this idea of enabling. Is it really the best thing for somebody to just give them uh, when they ask for money or something? So I understand there's all sorts of complex ideas about this. But this is a matter of the heart and the matter of letting God work inside you to say, do I want to be unified? Do I want to be generous? So I, I threw in one question for the group leaders today that I, I want you to knock yourselves out if you want to go there, but it's just a really broad question about is it harder to be generous or what this kind of living communal, uh, you know, community living looks like in a free enterprise, lest I say capitalistic sort of culture, which is what we are. So I would love to have robust discussions about capitalism and what it means for us but not right now, okay? So it's a fascinating discussion. It's definitely part of the equation when we look at that first church because they were living very communally. They were sharing everything. But what it looks like today might be our challenge ever, you know, always moving forward. So anyway, so um, the other part of this, when you look at what he's describing it might be sort of a pie in the sky look. How can we even think we could have a community like that? Wow, is it uh, almost, you know, uh, is it almost something that we just can't, we can't attain? It's too much, you know, it's so extreme almost, this, this, this community where they were so close, so unified, so generous with each other, the support and encouragement. And here's what I wanna say about that. So, as we think about this community, 
It was really important as the movement was catching fire, as the church was being planted, the foundation of God's people living in community. It was in, it, so important uh, that they have this extreme community because it was the establishing and the foundation of the church. Uh, in some ways, I want to say this. We had to get it right from go. So it may look different a couple thousand years later, but this extreme sort of, wow, you know, incredible uh, picture of a community, it's really important that it came out that way because the movement's catching fire and this was God's plan for it. Does that make sense? So uh, it, similarly, when the ruckus with the Holy Spirit coming, yeah, that was extreme. You know, we don't see a lot of tongues, in tongues of fire on all of us who trust Jesus and have the Spirit of God living inside us. But it was important at the beginning to have that ruckus, right? Yeah. And so here we are. God is saying, this is what my community of people should look like. And it's going to seem extreme. You're gonna sh it's going to be amazing. And so uh, it had to be that way as things were getting started. And we're going to see this in a couple of other places in Acts later on, too. But we, 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 we might have the legitimate question to ask ourselves then. So is this, is this normative for the church, even in a, a, a free enterprise, capitalistic sort of culture? Is this normative? And uh, I found another this week in my preparation I found another commentator. His name is Truft Gruben. He's a professor at Wartburg Seminary. And I really like this, so, and I know uh, quoting smarty pants commentators is sort of like hard, but it's, I, this was so good, I just couldn't resist this, okay? So here's what he says sort of about this deal. Uh, the utopian quality, the utopian quality of Luke's vision bars it from being a simple yardstick for measuring all forms of Christian community, a recipe for a host of failing grades. So he's saying, look, it's, it's not really the, the way to measure all of our community because we're all just going to fail miserably, probably. He says instead in Acts 2 and then our passage in Acts 4, they read best not as blueprints for today, but as glimpses, lest I say snapshot, they, they serve as blueprints or glimpses of dynamic experiences by a community enlivened by God's spirit. And so these texts say less about model church practices and more about the dynamic power of God among believers. Could you follow that? So maybe it's not a blueprint, and maybe we don't all try to be exactly like this, this community in Acts, but it sure shows us what it might look like when we let God's spirit take hold and see how he lives inside us and with us. So here's how I tried to sum that up. Probably not a blueprint or a gauge, but a glimpse of a community empowered, vitally living with the power of the Holy Spirit inside them. So I think that's a good place for us to kind of keep our perspective as well. Is it important? Yes. Would we fail miserably if we tried hard to recreate it? Probably. But what would it look like if we said, Spirit of God, we want to, you to thrive in us, and what would that make our community look like? And again, it would look like the first screens. It would be unified, it would be generous, support, encouragement, harmony, and all that. That's what it would look like. So, a um, couple other things when I think about this community that I don't want to neglect. What, you know, we might ask ourselves, okay, so what might be up with this, you know, this community deal? Um, two things really crucial from this passage that I think we really need to grab onto today. Two things. 
One is that unity must be visible. Unity must be visible. And in some ways you can hear in that. You can't just give lip service to it. Yep, yep. We're united. We're like-minded. We're good. We're close. We're tight. And if people don't see it, it's probably not true. Does that make sense? And so here, uh, the illustration from Acts is, well, let's see. We've seen this group of, you know, after the ruckus, especially, I'm curious, whatever the ruckus was, right? Miracle or tongues of fire, whatever it is. I'm seeing this community, and they, like, they gather. They gather outside the temple. They go into these upper rooms or whatever it looks like. I, I, I am, that is part of seeing the community. They gather together for worship, for prayer, for instruction, whatever that looks like. Uh, but then, ha! Wow, look how they live together. I know that guy, and his farm didn't produce squat this year, but they're helping him out. <laughs> Whatever, I don't know what I'm talking about. I mean, but that's what it is. It has to be visible. Unity has to be visible. And that's one way that they could sure make it very clear that they were living out what God has called them to do to be as a community. So unity has to be visible. The other thing that I think is important about this is community must be authentic. Community must be authentic. Because we might tell ourselves, yeah, we're, we're, pretty, we're, we're, we're pretty close. We're pretty good community. We're living together. We're doing life together. All these wonderful uh, modern ways, or, uh, contemporary ways of saying that sort of thing. But authenticity is also easy to see through if it's not there. And so one way we might ask ourselves is to say, how do we treat our weakest members? That's authenticity. It shows that we focus, uh, you know, on the right things. It shows that we follow Jesus. It shows the Holy Spirit working in our lives. Community must be authentic. And if nothing else, from this short little passage, we can see both of these things so clearly. The unity is almost tangible. And the community is so authentic. I was thinking about community. And I want to tell you a, a little story. Um, we talk about community a lot, and it's very appropriate today because we're in this passage at the end of chapter 4 of Acts. And uh, there's some even secular study and knowledge of the importance of living, living among others. We need people. No one's really been put on earth to live by themselves and just try to figure it out. We've been put in community and even people that don't acknowledge Jesus or God or anything can say, yeah, it's important to have community, right? And I was trying to think about if I had an illustration for what real, visible, authentic community might look like. I don't know that this is totally it, but I want to share this with you. Um, When Melissa and I did our, what we called it two things, either our unplanned sabbatical for a year in Phoenix or our year in the wilderness wondering what God was up to. So those of you that attend here regularly and know us, I haven't talked about this a lot lately, but we spent a year in Phoenix seeking God and trying to figure it out. In the meantime, our oldest son, he was hanging out with us, and he has latched on to this hobby, for lack of a better word, uh, rock climbing. Uh, It's a specific kind. It's not get on harnesses and be on belays and go up 30 feet. It's bouldering. The, the walls are typically only 15 to 17 feet high. 
and uh, you can, so then you can fall on the mats and be okay. He has really latched on to this, and we knew this for that year because it was even before we moved there, he was starting to be a part of this. He said, you guys should come and see this climb I'm going to be in. So besides just having open gym, pay your money or pay your pass, climb when you want and whatever, they also have events. And um, it would be the equivalent in my mind as a recreational runner, you know, if somebody said, hey, we're going to have a 5K out at the Sunflower Place. It would be like that. That attracts people to run in a 5K. So similarly, Brandon said, come see this contest or whatever. And I can't tell you all that. Uh, it, I, I don't know all the details about what makes a climbing contest the thing, but whatever. I said, sure, we'll come watch. We were both really just astounded is way too strong, but we were really surprised at the community at this climbing gym. Uh, all of a sudden, everybody's gathered together and you can just see the camaraderie. Oh, well, we climb together on Tuesdays. Or, oh, no, I met them because I've been coming early. And, and, and all of a sudden, we see this, and Brandon's in the middle of it. Now, you know, let's say they attracted 100 people, and not all 100 are going to go, you know, have coffee together and, and go out to dinner and you know, whatever else. So, yeah, but you could just see there was community there that was remarkable. We both just talked about it like, oh, my goodness, look at that community. And, and, and what it was, was they were initially drawn together because they were focused on what? Climbing. So not a particularly deep, meaningful thing to rally around, but they were, that was what brought them together. And then you could just see uh, the community coming to, you know, hey, you need chalk? What do you need? You know, oh man, good job on that. And, and that's the thing about climbing. It's relatively non-competitive. You're, you're just trying to beat the wall, not your neighbor even though there is some competition-y things they can make, you know. Uh, this is a really, really thin illustration, but we saw in that community just some really positive things that we were like, man, how do we, how do we exploit that? Brandon, wait, and, and uh, you know, that starts to be a picture of community. When you're drawn together and you're sharing together and you have a common focus, and if we are actually a community around the most important thing that you can be a community around, Jesus himself, we should be exemplary. We should be exemplary of being visible and authentic as communities go. So, now we get towards the end and we say, okay, what, about, what do we want for us? And what we want for us is I want you to remember those characteristics, remember those couple of things, and think about what it means for us to be both authentic and visible. But here's the first question for us as a church, Bueller MB. Do we want to have this kind of community? Don't answer that. Think about it. Pray about it. Do we want to have a community that was so unified and so generous and so supportive and encouraging that it would reflect our relationship with Jesus every which way. So I'm hoping the answer is yes, and that's what we're going to keep building on. But we have to ask ourselves this question all the time. Do we want to have that kind of community? And so then here's the thing. One of the first ways to, to, to grab that kind of community that God wants us to have is we have to turn away from self-interest. See, there's no place for me, 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 me. And just for the record, that's the problem with capitalism, just saying. It's very individually focused. Get ahead, get ahead, get more and more, even at the expense of others when it's extreme. So uh, I said I wasn't going to talk about that. 
Catch me later, write me an email. Um, but we have to turn away from self-interest. Here's my friend Schnabel again, what he says about this. The willingness, the willingness to regard one's own possessions as being at the disposal of the community, if needy members needing help, is the result of the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. I read that poorly. I'd like another shot. Let me try again. The willingness to regard one's possessions as being at the disposal of the community if needy members need help, that's the result of the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. The identity of the Jerusalem community is characterized by a turn away from pure self-interest or the interests of the in-group and a turn toward the other. So if we really want to capture the kind of community God wants us to be, we have to turn away from self-interest. And uh, for us, again, we have to ask ourselves, uh, what was unique, great characteristic of that community? And we need to remember what those things were. Again, unity, generosity. Can't get around this. Acts is stirring in me a lot. And so we've seen before Peter gets up, what does it say? He was filled with the Holy Spirit. I suggested last week or a week ago, I can't remember when, but to say, look, this is a thing. I don't know what it looks like because God gets to dictate how he manifests himself, right? But apparently it's thing to say, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Right? And so... Uh, we have to ask ourselves as a community, are we seeking to be open for the Spirit working in our lives, and am I asking God to fill, a, fill me with His Holy Spirit? And then, uh, I didn't want to neglect this, and it's really huge, but I saved it at the end a little bit on purpose. Don't forget verse 33. Here's what it says. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. That's the mission, church. <laughs> to testify to the resurrection, the work of Jesus. And so this community, that was helping that mission because people are always watching and wondering. And so by being this kind of community that was unified and generous and all those other things we talked about, the mission was still being accomplished. And this is such wonderful language. God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. They continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. So we would want to make sure that community is only helping us live out and accomplish the mission. Now, I, wanna, I would be remiss. Um, at the end, we see this little passage, and it talks about, I, I don't want to neglect this. Um, the last verse says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus... They called him Barnabas, son of encouragement. He sold the field, and he brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. One little verse, two little verses, two little verses. And you might wonder what's up with that. Here's the thing, because we're going to go on from here next week. Luke has just laid out what a Christian community should be in, in a lot of ways, right? He then throws out this positive example. Hey, there was this guy named Joseph, and if you're this kind of person that wonders, he was a Levite. It's kind of strange that he owned property, but he did apparently. Maybe he owned it in Cyprus, which wasn't Israel, and so it was okay. I mean, you, you can explore that. That's fine. But anyway, here's, here's Joseph, Barnabas, who had a field. And this is Luke's way of saying, 
All this stuff I'm talking about in community, here's, a, here's an illustration of a guy in our midst that did a great job at it. Barnabas. And we're going to see more of Barnabas later, but it's a short little couple of verses to say, here's the positive example. I'm going to give you a little bit of a foreshadowing for the next time we meet. We're going to talk about a very negative example. Somebody who really wasn't like Barnabas at all. <laughs> and it's extreme, again, what happened. So, again, for us as a church, for us as a people, for us as a community, do we want to have that kind of community? And are we being open to God moving in us that we could be that kind of community? It's complex. All those issues that can come up, it's hard sometimes. And I, I do, I hope that the groups, some of your groups have uh, robust discussions about it. But we want to be that kind of community, not just for ourselves and for the sake of the needy, but so the mission could go forth and people would see Jesus in us. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for uh, the way it speaks to us. God, I thank you for this little snapshot of what Christian community can and should look like. God, we pray that you would uh, convict us and show us places where we can shore up our community and make it better and better. Not just for our own sake and to take care of each other and, and the needy among us, but God, so that others would see we are living on mission. So God, I pray that you continually be with us as we seek to be the community you want us to be. God, I'm so thankful for today, the chance to worship together, to, to praise the name of Jesus. I pray that you would, even as we part company now, that you'd go with us as we go out. I pray that you would bless the offering, that you would bless the giver. Thank you for their generosity and pray that you would use anything given for the building of your kingdom and the advancement of your church. And God, I pray that you would be with each one that might have a need today that they need to bring before you, God. May, you, may they know that you're near in every case and circumstance. So God, I thank you for today. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So groups, uh, groups will start at 11 if you can stay. Um, otherwise, uh, the, the container's on the way out for offering. And if you want to share anything with the office, there are communication cards in the racks. And don't forget, mothers, you should grab, or uh, I'm sorry, not just, no, no, ladies, females, girls, women, everything in between, don't forget a candy bar to celebrate Mother's Day, and oh, I was going to say this earlier, and uh, if you want to support SMRC, go have lunch at Sunny's.